Hello and welcome to our global S&OP community weekly podcast Brought to you by Ahmed Khalid and Ahmed Al-Hamamsi from Middle East Our global S&OP community podcast mission is to build a global community from supply chain, marketing, trade marketing, sales and finance all over the world Where everyone's voice could be heard and listened Every week we host a new episode with great thought leader in the S&OP industry. We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could open up the light in the screen of your consciousness and you'll never be the same again. We discuss hot and trending topics with our subject matter experts by asking the right questions that uncover their valuable experience in our show. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.com .co Stay tuned every week with our global S&OP community podcast. And our great guest today is Matthew Tatham. Matthew is a supply chain consultant who works with several well-known companies across different industries and help them. His passion is in our topic today, which is demand planning. And he will reveal all of this today with, with you and with all community. He was involved in demand planning roles, many demand planning roles actually, and led complex implementation of forecasting tools and S&OP for the last five years. And tonight, Matthew will reveal all these secrets in demand planning to all of you. So if you are ready, let's do, let's do two things. One, fasten our seatbelts. Two, let's welcome Matthew into the show. Hello. Hey, hey. Hello. You. How are Great you? Great to see you. I think I think that there is some new look, not like the picture exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like to switch it up, right? In the picture, I had hair, no beard. Now I have beard, no hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great yes. to see you. Great to see you. So Thank nice you so much you. for jumping into our topic today, which is the magic in demand planning. And let me start and jump into the topic directly by asking this question to you, Matthew. Why demand planning is important inside the organization and how can it transform the organization based on your experience? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, before I start again, I just want to say hello to everybody. And, and again, thank you both for having me on this show. It's been a pleasure to watch you guys grow this podcast and it's, it's so a wonderful much. thing. So thank you for having me, right? Uh, thank you. So what is demand planning, right? And how can it help transform an organization, right? Demand planning at its core really is a cross-functional process, right? That, that helps the business meet the needs of the customer in a way that's beneficial for all the other, you know, objectives in the company from a financial perspective, from an operations perspective. Obviously, the goal is to minimize supply chain disruption and, and excess and obviously inventory, right? You know, I'm a huge fan of, of 
you know, in, in my personal opinion, there's two things that are required to be successful in demand planning, right? One, have a sense of humor. Two, <laughs> not don't, you know, not over engineering the process, right? I, I'm a big mm -hmm. fan of, of simplifying and a lot of times what, you know, where demand planning can be misunderstood or where it can go wrong is if it's overcomplicated, right? So really what we're trying to achieve is having the right amount of product at the right time in the right levels and not too much of the wrong product or not enough of the right product, right? Mm. We want to have the absolute correct amount of inventory to minimize the excess and obsolete inventory and not tie up, you know, uh, working capital within, you know, all this excess inventory. So really we're trying to meet the customer needs in a uh, effective and efficient way, right? So that's what demand planning is and how can it transform the organization, I think really plays into your podcast, right? SNOP. Traditionally, <laughs> demand planning has existed for, you know, a long time, right? But if demand planning yes. operates here, supply planning operates here, finance operates here, and they none of them ever communicate what, what good is it, right? Mm -hmm. Finance yeah. has finance has budgets, uh, marketing has, you know, uh, you know, promotions, and, and everyone has their own set of plans. But if you're not aligning on what those plans are, then, you know, might as well not have a plan in the first place, right? So demand planning really can help shape the organization by its contribution in the SNOP process. Yeah, right. totally 100% uh, agree and a good uh, simple uh, answer, uh, I think, uh, Matteo, yes, of course, uh, if we meet the right customer service levels, we make sure that we have uh, service level agreements on, on the ground and meet, uh, meet it uh, through uh, the working capital and uh, balancing supply and demand. I think it's, uh, this, is, uh, this is the key and through, of course, as you said, SNOP, meeting uh, one plan, aligning with, uh, with the vision and all that, that's, uh, that's, that's the key to the success for the organization. Yes, I like what you said, uh, Matthew, which is demand planning, it's sense of humor. And demand planning also as well, it's one plus one sometimes doesn't equal two. And this is, this <laughs> right. is the, yeah, because you are inside the business, uh, it's not more into theories. And I kept saying this in the same way that demand planning, yes, analytical skills you should have, but you should understand what's going on in the marketplace. Because yes. what I see from a real experience, you will see that most demand planning uh, teams, they are very good in analysis, but yep. post the evaluation, what's happening. But demand planning, it's the power of expecting what's going on and challenging the status quo. What are the drivers of the demand? What, what shapes the demand in that way? How it looks like, not just post the, the evaluation. Once the, the actualization happened, then I will see, guys, no, this is something happened and we need to take care about it in the future. And this, this, this somehow it costs the organization a lot. Because if you don't have a capable demand planning, just relying in the history, history, it's essential, but it's not the most essential. Because if you don't understand the drivers, if you don't understand your marketplace, if you don't understand what is influencing the demand, you will you will be in a big trouble. As and as you said, right. it's about inventory service level, all of these challenges. Yeah, yeah, it is. And one of the things that I've always said is, you know, being a good demand planner, right? And demand planning is every bit as 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 much about relationship management, right, as it is analytical yeah. skills, right? True. 
you know, being able to communicate with the sales team and understand effectively what's happening in the marketplace, right? Because you could be the best data scientist in the world, right? But your statistical model isn't going to know that, you know, say one of your accounts just came back and communicated that you're going to be having a door expansion, right? Your statistical model can't predict that type of stuff, right? And also to be an effective storyteller, you know, in the demand planning process in SNOP, right? I think that one of the things that, you know, shapes demand planning is the ability to be kind of an investigator, right? You have to be able to take the data and derive insights, right? And not not hit people over the head with data, but be able to tell an effective story, right? You need to be a storyteller. And so being able to collaborate, you know, effectively with the sales team and the marketing team, you know, one of the questions that you brought up uh, that you actually asked was, you know, what is, what shapes the demand plan, right? Everyone talks yeah. about this one number consensus right it's kind of like a unicorn right does it really exist you know it isn't really effective right and so um you know I, in my opinion what shapes the demand plan for a company right i i kind of have my own set of you know uh methodologies that i prefer to use and implement but you know one of them is kind of this three-pronged model right you have your statistical forecast, you have your sales collaboration, and you have your marketing forecast, right? Yeah. And all of that, you know, for, again, you have your statistical model, right? Which to answer another one of the questions, you know, kind of going down this one route, can you rely blindly on a statistical model? No, you can't, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't really need to spend much more time on that other than no, you can't, right? And yeah. the reason is, um, you know, for example, in 2020, right? If I would have just relied on a statistical model using some year over year analysis, you might been you might have been somewhat accurate within say a two to three week window of purchase orders for Amazon Prime Day, right? But as you know, 2020 was 2020, right? And things changed. Prime Day moved, for example, right? Mm. You can't use a statistical model for that because you would have, you know, you would have procured inventory, right, to be able to fulfill customer needs at the incorrect time. So it's the collaboration with the sales team to understand, no, we need to move that volume from, from this date to this date, right? Or again, the door expansions, right? So you have your statistical model as a baseline. You know, the, the way I've traditionally operated in the SNOP exactly. process is, is generating a statistical baseline, passing yeah. that on to the sales team for collaboration where they're adding in mm -hmm. insights, promotions, right? And then lastly, working with the marketing team to get any promotions or, you know, kind of aligning with the, the, the marketing calendar, if you will, right? And all of that <laughs> rolled together is the consensus plan. So, you know, again, to answer the question, what shapes the demand plan for a company, right? Is is obviously the the overall budget with the financial team, right? And it's the it's mm -hmm. the growth want to support the growth, right? But one of the questions that I'm always asked is, in your three prong model, you're not really considering finance, right? But you absolutely are, right? Because you're building that into the statistical model, right? You have the growth, you know, you, mm -hmm. you know where the company's headed, right? So again, it's the the baseline, passed to the sales team for collaboration, mm -hmm. then passed to the marketing team for a consensus plan and that's really what i think shapes the demand plan for a company yeah yeah yes that's that's that's, that's a great answer i think yeah you're totally uh, totally right uh, because uh, some uh, as ahmed was saying some demand planners are uh, like mathematicians or uh, think that the statistics is only what what shapes the demand so yes it's about totally about collaboration between between the teams uh, you don't have uh, usually the knowledge uh, on the ground, uh, what's happening in the market. Uh, 
maybe what's happening at the macro level, maybe you know about in the market or if you're working, depending on, of course, on the type of work, if you're working on, for example, some kind of uh, manufacturing or FMCG, they will more understand what's happening with the distributor, what's the relationship with the retailer. So you need to know, to get all these insights from, from the sales team, you need to be working closely with the sales team, trying to attend meetings with the, with the sales teams, with the distributors to understand uh, uh, the, how the products are, uh, are working, uh, what is the fast moving versus the slow moving uh, uh, products, uh, all, all, all of that, it, uh, you need to be uh, uh, working, having a team actually uh, was uh, working hand by hand with the, and collaborating with sales and marketing and it's all about uh, collaboration, it's not about theories, yeah. like you said, building a baseline and adding to it all the uplift promotions and all that. Exactly. Right. Thank you, Matthew. Let's come back to our audience. Thank you. We have our friend uh, Inid. Good evening. Interesting topic. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Our Hello. friend uh, Mamouche, greetings from Mogadishu. Thank you so much Hi. for tuning in. Thank you for joining Somalia, I think. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Our friend Ahmed Usama Ali. Hello. Great to see you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our brother Muhammad Ansur, good evening. Greetings from UAE. So Hello, Muhammad is with yes. you. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much. Our friend Sherihan Mansi. Hello, dears. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hi. Our friend Sushandra. Hello. Thank you also for Hi. tuning in. Khalid Said. He's sending his greetings. Great effort and very important topic. Thank you so Thank much you. for tuning in, Khalid. Uh, Daniela, greetings from Ecuador. Thank you so much. Thank you, Daniela, for joining. Thank you so much. Yes, our friend Zahra uh, from UK. Thank you so much. Hi, Zahra. Hi. Our friend also Ligia, greetings from Costa Rica. Hello. Great to see you and thank you for your time. Our lovely friend Diana, great topic. Thank you. Thank you. And. Uh, our friend Chris Jackson is a nice one, man. Thank you for the presentation. Thank you so much. We have Asif. Hello, everyone. It's an amazing topic. Thank you. Thank you. I think there is some interesting uh, a comment here. Yeah, I was looking at those questions. Yeah. Yes, yes. We have our Ahmed, our friend Ahmed Qasim. Is GIT, GIT concept still valid with the current challenges in the supply chain? He's, yeah, I no, think I'm he's a question. Yeah, yeah. Sure. There's also a couple things. There's a couple questions that I saw that are very interesting. So you know, I appreciate yeah, the, we'll uh, go. <laughs> yeah, the insight and the, the questions. Yeah. So is JIT still still relevant? I'm I'm not going to say it's irrelevant, right? There are some concepts within JIT that are still highly relevant. Um, but I think what we've seen, um, you know, I think the the global pandemic and kind of the the new supply chain climate that we're seeing, right? Um, you know. I heard a practitioner once say there's a difference between lean and anorexic, right? Uh, you know, you can be you can be too lean, right? And and I know a lot of companies firsthand that subscribed to JIT, right, and got completely wiped out, right? And, yeah. and so again, the, the JIT, the concepts of it are very real and very relevant, right? You know, um, you know, supply chain agility cost efficiencies right you know, cost minimization you know you know inventory optimization there are still very relevant 
uh, theories within JIT, right? Uh, but it's kind of like the, the book, The Goal from Elliot Goldratt, right? Like kind of that drum buffer rope thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of bottlenecks <laughs> that can take place, you know, in JIT, right? So, so in my opinion, it's it's kind of a it's a hybrid approach, right? There's still mm-hmm. very applicable, um, you know, theories and methodologies within JIT, um, but I think you know, adjusting some of the you know the lead times within the process or just the quantities that you're buying, right? Kind of, kind of building more of the traditional safety stock. Um, you know, policies into JIT, right, would kind of be, in my opinion, a hybrid approach that would be more effective in today's climate, especially with yeah. all the shipping challenges that we're seeing. And I know that your last podcast is on that <laughs> as well, right? So it's not just the pandemic. Yeah, I, I think you have covered it 100%. Yes. Just if you allow me, I'll add something on this. And sure. as you said that just in time, it's all about partnership and understanding capability of your total ecosystem of your supply chain it's not just applying you just in time and you end up with uh, a service level hits or just uh, a reliability challenges with your uh, supply chain partners because if you don't understand the capabilities of your supply chain partners you will end up with hitting just you're focusing on your inventory levels just to to manage your inventory levels but this definitely if you don't have a reliable supply chain or supply chain partners you will end up with some challenges in your service and by default this will affect definitely your total business and your total uh, uh, top line sales from that point so just not moving into just in time and as you said it's it's for sure it's better to have a hybrid model but before doing such things you have to assess your supply capability and your supplier development just to not move directly and end up with some challenges in that point yeah exactly i think it's it's about also the level of maturity of your supply chain you cannot just go directly on JIT while you don't have a good supplier relationship management like you like you're saying uh, yeah and just in time yes trying to reduce the inventory of course and increase the turnover the inventory turnover but it's uh, as you said uh, Matteo it's, uh, it's, uh, it's tough not easy as if something happened like a pandemic or something it could be hit hard and wiped out so yep. uh, as you said must be uh, hybrid and uh, we must uh, check first level of the maturity of our, our supply chain where are we exactly exactly right exactly yes yes we'll jump into the next uh comment and it's i think a key input to demand planning is understanding and analyzing the customer behavior i think this is one of the most important topic yes we have we have to admit in 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 demand planning because demand planning and I, I would like to hear your voice also guys for, from that point but I'll tell you my uh, experience and that when you manage uh, the aggregation of the customer when it comes to aggregation every customer has his own behavior in terms of logistics in terms of distribution in terms of order management in terms of their inventory which definitely shapes that the, the order cycle or their uh, the, the orders that they raise to the, the supply chain partner so understanding these kind of topics or understanding the customer behavior it definitely will allow you to understand the shape of the demand and understand how it looks like when you go into the details at sq level and moving into more into the downstream and your your, your uh, customer but just managing it i see it from uh, from a real experience that most organizations they manage it at at aggregated level 
Uh, but just I, I don't want to say that you, it's not something bad that to, uh, to have it at ag an aggregate level. But the challenge, how you will focus with the key customers, key accounts, how you will focus on that, who are the drivers and based on the business strategy, how you can collaborate with your customers to drive the business imperatives in the right direction which is something I do believe it's 100% right. I agree with Ahmed before Matthew put his uh, comments. And uh, I remember that uh, this time uh, uh, I, uh, we, I did this when I had, uh, I, I went as a demand planner, went to the distributors, talked to the distributors on SQ, SQ level. Uh, what is the, the level of uh, inventory we need to keep, uh, like the safety stock from each SQ. We are collaborating, talking weekly, uh, weekly on that to try to meet uh, and uh, the, the voice of customer and try to meet uh, what, what is the customer uh, mm. requirements and uh, every customer behavior. And as you said, it all relies on the strategy. These were the, I, I was meeting like with the key uh, customers, the key markets, like like weekly and uh, following up to set, uh, to set uh, the, the way of working uh, with them. Then everything started to go automatically. So we started to replenish automatically. We started to understand what are the ABC, uh, uh, per product and uh, and uh, and putting this as uh, as kind of base for our relations and uh, really it was it was a great success so it's all about collaboration again not internally with marketing and sales only but externally with the distributor with the, with the customer exactly. level is, is key to success in demand planning. Matteo, exactly. your your comments. Mike is over. <laughs> over to you. Yeah, yeah. Mike drop. <laughs> uh, no. I totally agree, right? And going back to the comment itself, right? And, and again, me saying that, you know, I'm I'm a huge proponent of not overcomplicating the process, right? Uh, One of the things that, you know, that you can do when collaborating, right? You know, if, if the if the question of the comment from the individual was knowing what's going on with the customer and or the distributor, right? That's that's all information, right? That resides with other individuals in the company as well, right? So the, the SMOP and the collaboration process with the sales team is, is totally critical. Right. A lot of times the, the sales yes. team are the individuals who are the subject matter experts on, you know, exactly what's happening with their customers. Right. So getting a download of that logic. Right. And, and applying that into your demand plan is critical when it comes to the aggregation. Right. This is a very hot topic. Right. And again, I think I mentioned in the beginning, I'm a huge fan of not overcomplicating things. Right. Few rules that I have found to be very true, like when we're talking about aggregating um forecasts or or what forecasts what level do we forecast at right do we yeah. forecast bottoms up tops down middle out um you know and what are the the pros and cons of that right and you know when you think about aggregating a top-down forecast right uh, in my opinion those are far more effective in the longer term right mm -hmm. and you know when you're coming when it comes to the detailed granular skew level forecast right there's a lot of value added to to managing forecasts like that at lead time or inside lead time right so you know kind of what level do we forecast at i think it all comes down to you know the complexity of the skew of, you know basket that the company's dealing with how many customers do you have how many SKUs do you have what does your network look like right because again um you know you might have one really big customer right that has you know, say 100 different items Right. And they might be in two different distribution centers. Right. And they fulfill 90 percent out of one distribution center. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you top down. Right. If you if, if you just you know, if you come up with a forecast for all these SKUs and then just top down to the distribution centers, you're 
at a high level, your product forecast might be correct, but the distribution in your network is going to be all wrong. Yeah. Right? So, mm -hmm. so, you know, there's different ways to manage it. I think a lot of it comes with, you know, what type of infrastructure do you have? You know, on one hand, you might only have Excel spreadsheets, right? And there's, you know, I love Excel spreadsheets. You know, I'm a huge fan of Excel, right? But you can only do so much, right? <laughs> or, you know, I, I saw one of the individuals mention AI and, and ML, right? It's, you know, you can have the, the, systems or software that can manage this stuff very easily right but yeah. my personal belief right is that the best approach is a creative approach right and kind of one that follows the pareto rule right so when you're thinking about you know you can do it I, i've done it a couple ways right when, when consulting um you know one of the most effective ways um that i have found in forecasting is is, is the pareto rule right you know, maybe your top 80% by volume yeah. or by revenue items, you forecast 20%. at the SKU level, you forecast at the SKU level and you top down the rest, right? Um, yes. You know, or, you know, when it comes to the, one of the questions was how do you split within the network, right? Um, you know, you can, in my opinion, there's, there's a couple ways that it can be done, but the most effective way that I've done is not forecast at the customer item SKU level, Right, but the mm -hmm. customer item level, and then break that out by the historical splits of the different distribution centers in the network, right? Because there are a lot of times where you might have to fulfill a customer order out of a different distribution center because you're out of stock in one, right? Which, if you were forecasting at the customer item, you know, DC level, that would skew your forecast, right? So there's a lot of exception-based work that has to be done like that, right? So, again, it's the creative approach, right? It's, uh, it's the it's the top down at a much further view, right? But the granularity is is definitely beneficial, and there's there's higher detailed granularity in the short term mm -hmm. or inside or at lead time. That's more effective than top down, right? Um, you know, one of the one of the Unilever approaches that that I uh, worked with that I, I thought was really good was SNOP forecasts are SKU level when collaborating with the sales team and the marketing team. Right. And then you're using a top down statistical approach for all the months after that. Right. Um, even you know if it's an 18 month horizon and your, your lead time is four months, you're doing a SKU level forecast for the next four months, collaborating with the sales team, doing the whole mm -hmm. SNOP process. Right. And then top down approach for the rest of the, uh, you know, the 18 month or 14 months. Right. Yeah. So again, it's there's there's definitely value in both, uh, but it's definitely not a one size fits all approach. Exactly. Yeah. True, yeah. true. 100%. I like what you said that most organizations and most companies, they use the one size fits all. And it's all about the, the time that you spend inside the S and OP versus the output. And you will see that most organizations that they don't spend the time just to understand are the outputs that we are spending and the time that we spend is delivering the right outputs that we need, yes or no. Is it worth it the time that we spend inside based on the granular level or just move uh, down on that level? And one of the approaches that I would like to, to do even when I was in demand planning, it's I look into each family level based on their baseline. And as we speak before, if uh, a family level that has a, a higher just promotional intensity, okay, let's say I have 60, 70 percent, it's worth it to go and speak about the phasing, the monthly phasing by the baseline, that cannibalization and the promotional intensity and the sure. budget that is, is supposed to have by each month because this is shaping the demand. 
but I will not spend like uh, a time uh, just talking to the sales in that point for some families that they just don't have any promotions. I can generate a statistical model and have my proportion factor on SQ level and move it on to not spend. So it's all about balancing between those things. The baseline, the more the baseline, the more you can go to the statistics. But the less the baseline, the, the, you need to have a quality discussion with the phasing, the promotions, the innovations, the new product uh, introduction, all of these kind of things, it's driven inside the S&OP. And it's all again about the time you spent versus the quality output. Because sure. they, the most organizations, they move like this. They move like this. It's going. We need to spend these times. But just you need to reflect and ponder about what happened in the past. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, you know, that is a wonderful point. And that's something that I, I mentioned in the very beginning about, you know, some people think top down, bottoms up, but sometimes the middle out approach, right? And that's kind of what you're talking mm -hmm. about at the family level. Um, you know, I do agree that, you know, the ROI for detailed granular forecast decreases the further down the time horizon <laughs> that you go. Um, but, you know, when it comes to middle out, right, such as your approach, the, you know, the family level, right? It, let's say, mm. you know, you, you're within your product basket, right? You have, you know, 14 different product families, right? Maybe you top down each product family, right? And then aggregate mm. those to the total company or enterprise wide, right? So, so, mm. you know, you could still get granular within top down, if that makes sense. You know, you don't have to necessarily take a, the highest level revenue number and then just blow that all the way down, right? You can middle out too. So yeah. again, that's like, you know, when it comes to, again, demand planning, it's being an effective storyteller, communicator and having a good sense of humor, <laughs> right? It's, it's, yeah. uh, it, 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 it's the ability to work with the team and understand what's the best approach because it definitely, like you said, is not one size fits all. Exactly. So, so for the sake of time, I will jump into questions. So guys, feel free to to write whatever question into your mind. We will jump into the questions. Just for the sake of time, I will not be able to cover all the comments. So I'll jump into questions only. So we have our friend Raymond. He's asking, I suppose, uh, the, that modeling of demand planning is being challenged and reshaped by the ongoing impact on the global market from the supply chain. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, you're right. Right. And I guess the yeah. question is, how do you manage that? Right. And <clears throat> the one answer is, is SNOP, right? <laughs> That's, <Yeah. laughs> you know, SNOP, right, in my opinion, is one of the most effective tools for, for, you know, management of supply chain and operations of a company. And not just in a crisis, but in, in general, right? And SNOP, it's, it's become kind of the war room, if you will, right? And so, well, you know, when it comes to demand planning, right, you know, one of the things that I have found is that historically, demand planning is an input, right, to the forecast and then also SNOP. But in my opinion, obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a long-standing debate on who should own SNOP, supply chain or finance, right? Yeah. You know, yes. and, you know, I know that we only have uh, about 23 minutes left, but if you let me talk for 10 hours on that, I could. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, right? but I think going back to, you know, demand planning, being able to be an effective storyteller, right? They're kind of the, they have their, their finger on the pulse, right? And, you know, SNOP is the place where you're talking about these, you know, mm. customer exceptions, right? Forecast accuracy, um, you know, special topics, right? You know, it's, 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 you, Demand planning, right, should be putting together the presentation, running the presentation, in my opinion. 
Um, and, and again, managing and SNLPs where you talk about all the exceptions, right? That's, you know, historically things have been done in silos, right? And decisions yes. are made at the top and then trickle down maybe, right? And then by the time it gets to you, something's already blown up. So, so you know, in SNLP, I think, uh, you know, one of the most important things that I've seen lately, right, in SNLP implementations is special topics, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, each month, right, let's just say you're, you know, you're talking about your open to buy, right? Right now, you know, our, our open to buy based on normal factors might be X, right? But we have a special topic this month and we, you know, based on the challenges that we're seeing in the supply network, right, we recommend a bulk buy, right? And we, we're <laughs> requesting an, an additional purchase, some additional inventory, carry, whatever it may be, to minimize our risk and be able to quantify that, right? And and getting the getting the answer that you need, right, in the executive SNOP is, is pretty much the reason it exists, right? We need to be able to present the topics, the issues that we're seeing. We need we need approval for you know special topics. We need approval for exception-based activity, right? And it's all managed inside of uh, the SNOP, and 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 that's in my opinion how you manage you know in this environment, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of times um, some people in the in the company can be disconnected from the reality of what's going on, right? Uh, I, yes. you know, I run or I've started recently a demand planning humor of the week, right? Uh, you know, on, on LinkedIn, right? But one of the, the comments was, you know, hey, from the sales team, hey, what's our lead time? Oh, it's four months. Oh, great. I just got a $2 million order. And I need it next week, right? A lot of times <laughs> things happen, you know, that, that, you know, people need to be informed on what's going on in, in the process to know what is or is not possible as opposed to making decisions in a silo, right? So, so that is, in my opinion, how you how you manage the, you know, the the current environment, right? Hundred percent. It comes back to to leadership, of course, and the sponsorship of uh, of the leaders and how they are uh, they are driving the SNOP, how they are driving the discipline of the SNOP. And I agree with you. Demand planning should uh, should uh, lead it because they have. Uh, they are part of the supply chain usually, so they understand the lead times, they understand what's happening if it's a production environment, the, the lead times, the material, uh, the stocks uh, around. And as you said, as, as you said in this uh, humor part, that sometimes the salespeople, they, they don't, they just have, have the deal and they don't care about the lead time and all that. So it's better someone who balance, understands all what's happening and what's the lead time and how procurement team are working because I worked on both sides. I worked on the commercial side and I worked on the supply chain side. So definitely the commercial team, sometimes they they just uh, pressure to get the numbers, to get the budget. So they need the X amount in like two weeks or or some time, but it's not possible to to manage or or get it uh, done. So yes, I'm with you. I can say those things. I can say those things about the sales team because you know, being an effective demand planner is about being a relationship manager, right? And I have a great yeah. relationship with all the sales team members, so so I can say those things, right? So you know, that's that's critical. It's not taking a jab. I love the sales team. Yes. Yeah. So. Yes. Thank you. We're jumping to the next question from our friend Mamouche. She's asking how demand planning influences supply planning through predicting future demand patterns. So in my opinion, yeah, so when we're talking about 
so, you know, supply planning and supply chain, right? The one thing I think about is MRP. You know, when people say, why is demand planning so important, right? And, you know, when I think about demand planning, a, a accurate demand plan is the genesis of a, of a class A supply chain, right? You could have the best and most expensive MRP tool. You could have the best supply planners that have ever existed. But if you have a bad forecast, everything's bad, right? So, yes. so you know, it's. It, I think that that's a fantastic question, right? But it's it's not just applicable to supply planning. It's applicable to the whole organization, right? Because we want to ensure customer, we want to ensure success by meeting the customer's needs, right? And so, how can demand planning influence supply planning by you know predicting future demand, right? If we have a more accurate supply uh, uh, demand plan, then you have a more accurate supply plan. Right, then MRP is going to go smoothly. You'll have less exception messages. You'll have, you know, you'll have less order and expedite. You'll have less out of stocks. You'll have mm -hmm. less inside lead time. What I like to call frozen zone violations. Right. So, mm -hmm. so I think that the demand, you know, being able to predict more accurately f future forecasts, right, not only helps, you know, improve or optimize supply planning, but but everything, right, it, it, the yeah. whole company. So that's why Definitely. I, you know, I, I love demand planning and, and you know, if you yeah. couldn't tell, right? So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I hope that answered the yes. question. Yes, definitely, because the beginning, it's the forecast. And forecast always will drive demand. And demand will drive the master scheduling. And master scheduling will drive the master production scheduling. And master production scheduling will drive your MRP. And the MRP will drive your strategical procurement, I would say. And the game, just to put on what you have said, Matthew, it's, uh, it's about the maturity of the demand planning. Uh, because if you just focus on a shorter horizons and you have like a peak in the forecast one time and if you, you don't have the, the available resources or the available capacity on that point, it will cost the organization tons of money because of that i would say it's business waste because if you don't have this kind of build up the right forecast and one time you have a spike in the demand and you cannot afford the load versus the available capacity you will end up with a big business waste in your organization which will be a yeah. lot of costs that's why it's it's all about balancing the demand and the supply at the same time it's not just only one yeah. way just demand right. will drive the supply but demand is always the beginning is always the beginning right. As as long as you're looking into the short term, medium term, and even the long term to manage the capacity planning into end. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, and at, at at Blue Skies, you know, one of the one of the most recent consulting projects that I've been doing is with uh, you know a fairly large life sciences uh, company, right? Um, and and it's an MRP optimization project. Right. And and not to anybody's surprise, right, you know, kind of in my playbook, one of the you know the first questions is, well, what does your demand planning process look like? Right. What are the SNOP processes that you follow? Do you have SNOP? Right. You know, that type of thing. Right. It's it, when it comes to, you know, MRP optimization. Right. Or, you know, maybe there's maybe, you know, when it comes to the conversion of planned orders to production orders or procurement or, or you know, enter warehouse transfers, you know. If you go upstream, right, it all starts with the demand plan, right? So uh, that's that's always my starting point. Yeah, yeah. true. Thank true. you. Always the starting point. Yes. Yeah. We'll jump into the next question. We have many questions. Hopefully that we can <laughs> cover. I think yeah, if we can't cover uh, 
for all of course our audience will be answering after after the episode and uh, i think uh, matthew will uh, probably need to have six more episodes with them <laughs> no, please, please. Okay. i love it yes thank you so we have uh, our friend uh, jamil uh, he's asking do you categorize transportation cost as an operational function how should demand planners collaborate with optimizing freight costs sure that's a wonderful question and you know one of the things that i have found in the past historically is that demand planning and demand planners <laughs> do not traditionally just do demand planning right a lot of times demand planners are actually supply chain planners or they're demand planners and they also do operational special projects right so should we categorize transportation costs as uh, or what was it transportation or, or transportation cost yes transportation yeah 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 yeah. Uh, so yes, in my opinion, transportation costs as an operational function, right? You know, you have your you have your warehouse and transportation as a GL, right? On the on the PNL WNT, right? So, you know, one of the things that I have found and some of the operational excellence, um, you know, initiatives that I've worked with in the past is obviously just operational cost reduction. Warehouse and transportation, right? Absolutely, can be affected by demand planning, right? Because if you have Let's say you have six warehouses, right? And and you are, you know, going back to our, our level of aggregation. If you have six warehouses and all those warehouses have inventory, right? Um, you know, one of the outcomes of a demand plan, right, or a supply plan MRP process, right, is could be we need to transfer a product from from A to B or mm -hmm. warehouse one to warehouse two, mm -hmm. right? And if you're having to do that too often, if you have too much of the right of the wrong product, no, I'm sorry, if you have not enough of the right product at the right place, but that inventory is somewhere else in your network, right? Mm. You have to transport that, right? So, you know, intra warehouse transfers are a huge part of warehouse and transportation costs, and, and which is therefore a huge part of, you know, the PL, right? And so, yes, I definitely would categorize transportation costs as well as warehousing costs. As, a, as an mm -hmm. operational function and demand planning can collaborate, right? You know, with everybody on, you know, in operations to understand, you know, where's, you know, to do the root cause analysis, right? Like where, mm -hmm. you know, over the last six months, we've seen a steady increase of 6% per month in our, in, in our warehouse and transportation costs. Why has that been, right? Well, maybe go back and look at your forecast accuracy at the, at the distribution center level, right? So mm -hmm. I, again, you know, I would love to talk for 10 hours, but I, I think <laughs> yes, uh, yes, it definitely should be categorized as an operational cost. Yes, I, I think it's uh, it's related. Everything is related to the forecast uh, uh, accuracy loss tree. And when it comes to reality, if there is may, there are many correlations between demand uh, demand planning and transportation. And if I can categorize, I could ca categorize it from the capacity point of view. Because if you do, if you you have some challenges from the inbound capacity or the outbound capacity. Definitely, you'll have some challenges in your uh, invoicing, which will affect definitely your demand, the plan, which is the, the focus right. versus the actuals that you have. The second one, as you said, it's about distribution. Uh, what is uh, the, the shape of your distribution and how it looks like? Where, where are you locating your CDC and how it just serve the number of DCs? Sometimes you have... Uh, uh, some orders on uh, some echelons on specific DC and you don't have some inventory and at the same time you have 
some uh, of the stocks in the other DC, but because of your working, you're pushing all the stocks from CDC into DC based on your norms, safety stock or and your cycle stock. So we end up with some challenges which will affect definitely your demand planning and your your forecast accuracy. If you want to right. trigger this, you will see it from the, the service level for this customer or for DC. You will see that you didn't fulfill this order because of the tra transportation or because of distribution. So allocating all the losses, that's why it's called a supply chain. It's all about <laughs> networking and yeah. how you can come back and relate all of these losses and drive the right uh, actions into the place. This is just sure. about the correlation between them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, right. yeah, thank you. We'll go into the next question. Take that second other question. Yeah. Yes. Before the, we go into the next question, I have some question into my mind, and I need need you need to help uh, Matthew in that question. And this question, especially, we ask it. I ask it myself many many times, and the answer was not just. A, a solid answer. The question is, uh, forecast for sure is, is a key, is a key driver for, for demand planning. But what is the right level of forecasting on an echelon? Just if, just for an example, if I have like uh, an echelon of six, seven DCs, okay, uh, one of them is CDC, what is the best way to aggregate the forecast or just to measure the forecast accuracy on is it at the six dcs or is it at total national level and if you have your criteria or your philosophy why why you're <laughs> you're saying like this this is one, one thing yes yes so so one of the one of the topics that i enjoy most about demand planning or talking about is forecast accuracy right yeah how how can we improve upon the presentation of our forecast accuracy? One, I think the answer is start to portray it correctly, right? And I think that before I answer your question, one of the things you have to understand is if you aggregate forecast accuracy, if you forecast one of item A and sell 999 and forecast 999 of item B and sell one and you aggregate it, your forecast accuracy is 100. Offsetting, yes. Yeah. Right? Yes, exactly. Right? And, if you're, and, 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 and if you're presenting that to, to you know, management, they'll get a false sense of, oh, well, you know, these supply, these issues that we're having aren't surely aren't related to forecast because my gosh we've been killing it we're at you know 92 percent right you know so 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 i think to answer you know the first part of answering that question is is the most important part about forecast accuracy is is portraying it and and presenting it correctly i personally subscribe to using weighted mate um that's you know mm -hmm. basically looking at the it's it's the item level error aggregated right and and I have found that the best level to look at the forecast accuracy is an item level weighted MAPE aggregated to the family level, right? So that you have the, the ability to drill down to the item level, right? Like if I have family A, you have like A, B, and C, family A, B, and C, right? And mm -hmm. if you know one of them is 80%, one of them is 70%, one of them is 50%. Then you then you have the granularity to drill down into you know the 50 percent and see where the major errors came from so mm -hmm. first first part of your question is is aligning on what what method of forecast accuracy you'll be following i'm not mm -hmm. saying weighted mape is the only way um mm -hmm. uh but it's what's worked best for me also weighted mape at lead time right 
not you know <laughs> not what was july's forecast for july versus actuals right it's it's you know, yeah. what was january's forecast for july so mm. when you're talking about echelons right mm. one of the ways that i've always built out my forecast accuracy is at the most granular level so that you can aggregate it any way that you need to right so mm. when we're talking about let's just say an, an echelon that you're talking about with six different distribution centers right and you aggregate it by family distribution center and total company total company forecast accuracy by aggregating all of the skew level weighted might be 72 percent right which mm -hmm. in my opinion is good <laughs> at the item level right <laughs> at the item level that's uh, you're, you're doing a great job yeah. right? so um uh, and then you drill down one more level to the family level and you see a b and c they drill mm -hmm. down one more level and you see your, you know, each different distribution centers, right? Because it's all included in the data and you might have forecast accuracy ranging from, mm -hmm. you know, you know, say 82% to 40%, right? And mm -hmm. being able to understand and know why those errors are happening, right? Is, is the critical piece to even what I was mentioning earlier, right? The, the WNT, um, you know, the inner warehouse <laughs> transfers, that type of thing. And, and also, you know, it, again, it's all connected, right? SNOP is all connected. So one one distribution center might have a huge swing in forecast accuracy from one month to the next. So mm -hmm. I absolutely think that looking at the distribution center accuracy is critical when you meet with the sales team, right? They might have an answer such as, oh, you know, they shifted their net. They're, they're going to be selling only out of this distribution center now, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that would have been great to know, right? This is what SNOP is for, right? So anyways, I, all, all that to say, um, I think that portraying the forecast accuracy correctly, not aggregating it, uh, you know, building it at the SKU level and then aggregating it to any view that you want uh, is, mm. is what work, has worked best for me. Yeah. But absolutely managing it on the distribution center level is critical. Yeah, yeah. Great answer. Deserves some uh, applause, I think. Uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Thank you, That's Matthew, great. for this That's amazing great. one. If I can just share also something in my mind at this point, if, if we were talking about six DCs and uh, the level of aggregation on, on the, the errors, even how you are offsetting, I will speak like if we selected the total national level, which is you are just calculating your forecast errors at a total national level. So offsetting at each DC, uh, if I have a positive bias here and negative bias here, it will offset to be a zero bias. Um, if we select this, I think that there is a major uh, factor here that most organizations should focus on it, which is how what is the frequency of your redistribution? Because if you don't correct your inventory uh, on a frequent level, you will end up with some inventory challenges, some business wastes, and some even service level challenges. Right. This is this is what what's in my mind. So, if you have if you have the ability to uh, run a frequent just correction of the for the, the inventory every time, so you can build up your uh, uh, total forecast at a total national level. There is no problem. You can aggregate all the errors in that. But if you don't do that that exercise, you will end up, as you said, you're reporting something which is not reflecting the reality. We have 
great 72 73 forecast accuracy but the challenge now it's because of the demand it's not about yeah. distribution it's the, because of the demand uh, this right. is just what what was in my mind i'm telling you from it's all about experience that we will not find the books that's why we share this kind of reciprocity uh, reciprocity between right. our ourselves yeah sure yeah Thank you. So Great. jump into the, the next final question or final two questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think, guys, if we would not be able to answer your questions, please contact directly Matthew at any time. Please directly yes. after after these questions. Yes. So we have. Uh, I'll come back into our questions here. Can you see here? The last question that we have it from uh, from Jamil, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. I think we have a questions. First question of Suleiman. Ben, what what are your experience on uh, tech, new technologies to improve demand planning, such as AI and machine learning? <laughs> this is a great <laughs> question. Uh, one that I just made a demand planning humor of the week on, and, and you can go see. So, you know, that will probably answer, you know, this question as far as my point of view goes, right? One of the things that I said in the very beginning is I am not a fan of over-engineering things, right? <laughs> and, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, AI and ML, right? I, I've definitely worked with systems, you know, um, you know, SO99, Demontra, you know, I've worked with these systems that have this very advanced analytical capabilities, right? And even a lot of different bolt-on forecasting softwares that have a lot of these advanced capabilities. One of the things, you know, and we could probably have a whole nother podcast on, on forecast value added, right? But that, that's a very important metric. And that's to say, if I generate a baseline forecast, what's the forecast accuracy of that? If I mm -hmm. then overlay that forecast with sales data, what's the forecast accuracy of that? Right. Yeah. And then so on and so forth. Right. And and eventually, in my you know, in my professional opinion, you start to have diminishing returns when it comes to AI and ML right now. It's still pretty new. Right. And the ability to build into a sweatshirt forecast, the fact that, you know, on average, we've we've <laughs> taking, you know, these environmental factors saying on average over the last you know, 10 years, we've gotten 0.8 degrees hotter each year. So I think that we need to build that into the forecast, right? Probably no ROI to that, right? So, mm -hmm. so I think that right now it definitely has a place. Um, you definitely can over engineer forecasts. And I'm not a huge fan of putting my faith in forecasts uh, systems, right? Um, you know, I like the Delphi method, right? You know, generate some numbers and sit down and talk to somebody and come up with a plan, right? As opposed to, you know, we put every, you know, we put POS data, we put historical shipments in here and it took all these other 90 million metrics and it generated a plan and that's it. This is what we're going with. I have a hard time with that as well. So it's yeah. definitely, it's definitely, um, growing in its capabilities. I've seen some really exciting new technology. Um, uh, but to, to me, there's there's no exchange or there's no uh, uh, substitute for SNOP and a good demand planning and forecasting process. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. It's all about again, it's all about people and the collaboration. I think it's more important than than technology. 
uh, what will make yeah. it work and what will make it happen is always people talking to people talking to collaboration with different uh, departments collaboration with the different uh, uh, the distributors and uh, internal and external collaboration uh, we we cannot uh, shift that with the technology no matter how advanced it is yeah it's good to have the technology but we all we always need to have like this hybrid model as you said yeah, technology can be for the baseline, but we always have to go back to the to the ground and people on the ground and take their insights and talk like the Delphi method, like you said, and, uh, and have yeah. meetings and, and judgments. Yeah, 100%. If you allow me just to share with you a story about this challenge, which is the artificial intelligence and machine learning. And uh, if we can reflect, I have my friends, they work in multinational companies and they use many uh, softwares just to generate the, their forecast, statistical forecast, using all artificial intelligence, many factors, many inputs, many outputs, all of the, the these uh, steps in the same time. And when it comes to the output itself, you, you will see that the, the, the suggested forecast by phasing by month, it's doesn't make sense when it comes to the cash up. Maybe at a volume level, it makes sense. But when you have the finance review inside the S&OP, you'll find this number. Let's say I, I sell with X millions. I found that I have 1.5 millions. I didn't have it before in my uh, uh, history. So because of the mix itself, doesn't make sense in the artificial intelligence and machine learning. So if you don't put your drivers and if you don't, as you said, Matthew and Hamamsi, put your sense of understanding and collaboration and put your sense of humanity by uh, putting these kind of factors, you will not be able to do anything. You right. Artificial intelligence and machine learning will not solve all of your problems. Still, right. you have to put your inputs because, again, it's all about humanity and it's all about the phasing, especially with a company that runs with 70% promotional intensity. Yeah, you have right. to use you have to use your uh, phasing strategy and your budget itself. Yeah, right. Yes, we yeah, have the last question. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'll yeah. Just no, 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 continue, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the one thing that I will say that AI and ML and all that kind of stuff is very useful right now. It's more useful for providing, you know, dashboarding and helpful insights for the demand planner to then build into the model. I think it's more useful for that than it is for actually building the model, right? Exactly. So I think right now the, the place for AI and ML and forecasting and demand planning is helping be the storyteller, right? And, and, and derive those <laughs> insights, but not doing the forecasting yet. Exactly. Thank you. We'll go for the last question. Sure. Time is flying. Yeah. <laughs> we have our friend Ahmad Usama. He's asking, what is the optimum step to manage, control, and follow uh, to make balance between demand and sales and customer satisfaction during crisis period? I think it's very interesting. SNOP. <laughs> yeah. I know it sounds like a broken record, right? But it, it's, it, it really is SNOP. And, and again, you know, to control, follow, and make balance between demand and sales and customer satisfaction during these crisis periods, right, is really ensuring that the customer needs are met, right? At its core, you're trying to ensure that the customer needs are met. On the back end of that, we have the supply chain crisis. We have everything that's going on right now, right? I think that COVID exposed a major hole in all of these companies that they don't actually have demand planning 
right? Or a formal planning process, right? So, so when we're talking about the optimum steps to manage and control, you know, the supply chain risks and uh, you know everything in this climate, I, I, my answer would be it would depend on where you are as a company, right? Because if you know maybe you're doing things in a silo, and if you're doing things in a silo, my response would be to implement a, a collaboration tool, right? You know, implement a process that you know again SNOP, right? If you already have SNOP, right, make it make ensure that you know executives are attending, ensure that you're actually highlighting and getting the data and the information in front of the decision makers that needs to be addressed, right? Because really, when it comes down what you're talking about to this crisis period, right, is is product availability, right? We need that we need product. Um, so again, when it comes back to you know maybe we're we need approval for to increase our safety stock buffers right now, yes. right? Maybe yes. we need approval for, you know, whatever it may be in a, an exception based purchase order because this one supplier that we have is at risk of, you know, you know, whatever it may be. It's it's, it's that type of, yeah. yes, yeah. exactly. It's that type of, of collaboration and, you know, steps that I think are critical during times of, of crisis. Yeah. Also, the last is, is customer allocation, too. Right. And I think that's one question that's been kind of a hot topic is at times you might be forced to sit down and have a conversation with what customer do we supply right we don't mm -hmm. have enough inventory to supply all of yeah three right. Yeah. right yeah so so again but all of that is done inside snop so snop yeah. is the answer yeah <laughs> thank you Thanks. thank you matthew again and uh, i think again time is flying as usual when you speak about <laughs> demand planning or core s and op that the, the amount of engagement is really amazing so uh, we would like to uh, excuse us if we couldn't uh, just cover all the questions uh, please if you have any question don't uh, be hesitated just to contact directly our great thought leader today matthew at any time just feel free to connect with him on linkedin and we'd like to thank you again mr matthew for uh, your time and your amazing experience and insights and values that you shared based on your lovely experience. We used to say that it's knowledge that you will not find in books and which, which is really something that we have absorbed today from you. And would like also to thank our audience. Yeah, exactly. the audience uh, engagement was amazing today. A lot of uh, questions and uh, really great, great insights. And of course, uh, Matteo, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your insights, sharing your experience. And uh, we're so happy. We're glad to have you today. And we hope we can have you again soon. As you can see, yeah. the engagement level of engagement was great. And yeah. people uh, need to, that's a hot topic that uh, needs more than one episode. Sure. Yeah. yeah and, and thank you both very much. I really, really enjoyed this. And again, it's been a pleasure to watch you guys you know, grow this you. podcast. It's, it's been amazing. So you know, it, it's a wonderful accomplishment. So, you know, kudos to you. Uh, and, you know, thank yeah, you for thank everybody you. that joined. And again, you know, please feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Um, yeah. And anytime you need somebody to come and talk about <laughs> these hot topics, please, you know, I, I'm, I'm your guy. Let me know. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Matthew, and have a great day. Thank you, guys. Thank you. See you on the episode. See you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to our Global S&OP Community Podcast. We hope that you have absorbed some values from this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to be notified every week with the new episode. You can visit our website, ahmadkhalid.co, or 
A-H-M-E-D-K-H-A-L-E-D.co. We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could transform your life. Stay tuned next week with a great thought leader in S&OP. Have a wonderful week ahead.